At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Thank you for tuning in to Season 6 of the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast. Watch the full exclusive video on Carbon TV. This show is proudly presented by Tink, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Also presented by Cat Work Truck and Camp Chef, Victory Archery and Thorn Broadheads, Cobra Archery and Shadowhunter Blinds, Burris Optics and Reveal Cellular Trail Cams, HHA and HHA USA. Additional support provided by Under Armour and Deer Camp Coffee. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Boner Planet Podcast. Myself, Tim Mazzarana, tonight, along with the co-host Dave Thomas, as always. And we are joined by special guest Raylene from the Tale Outdoors. How are you, Raylene? Good. How are you, gentlemen? Great. It is very Excellent. nice to meet up with you. Um, kind of want to learn all about you and what you have going on. So can you give us a little bit of a background? Um, yeah, so I'm a Southern California native. I grew up in Phelan, California, a very small desert town, um, about a couple hours northeast of Los Angeles to kind of give people a perspective. Uh, small horse town, grew up on a micro ranch. For those of you that don't know what a micro ranch is, it's two acres all the way to about, I believe, 20 now is what they consider a micro ranch. Uh, so desert rat, um, Advent outdoors woman had no choice, only child. Dad was like, you will do these things. So that's kind of like a quick like rundown of you know the hunting, the fishing, the camping, the you know, my life is basically outdoors now, which is great. Um, but um definitely got that from my dad, inherited that. Um had small town, you know, living growing up was fantastic. I had the best childhood. And, um, you know, moved away to college and had shell shock at some point in time because <laughs> I thought everyone grew up the way I grew up. So <laughs> no was my A little answer. bit of a bubble there. <laughs> no, yeah, I was, I went to school in LA. So think about going from oh, this oh, small, wow. tiny little town to like North Hollywood. And then you're yeah. like, uh, wow. So definitely a big culture shock. Um, we didn't have like sidewalks and crosswalks like where I was from. So to have like <laughs> trains and, and buses was kind of, you know, kind of crazy. But yeah, 
the mass transit has always uh, boggled my mind. You know, we, we don't live in, we live like suburbs of Detroit. We don't have a great mass transit city, right? Because we're, we're the home of the auto industry, right? So everybody drives cars around here. And uh, you know, anytime I go to Chicago or New York or Boston or anything like that, it boggles my mind, the mass transit. It just confuses me. <laughs> I mean, try going from never, ever experiencing it to having to <laughs> yeah yeah i rely on my phone a lot to tell me where to go yeah when i was sure. in college so it was kind of like figure it out <laughs> <laughs> no better time i guess throw your feet in the fire for sure exactly yeah so tell us a little bit about about the talia outdoors like where what is the what is it that you guys do what's the background of that yeah, so a couple of years ago, so in the middle of a pandemic, I had the wild, crazy idea. Um, I was very unhappy with my selection of outdoor apparel for women. I was having a really hard time finding things that fit. Um, I'm your different athletic built woman, so I've got curves. I'm short. I'm not tall and sleek like a lot of the things that are built. Uh, and our quality of our clothes aren't always the best. Uh, so I basically had a wild hair that really jump into the apparel side of the industry. I have an apparel background. So, uh, but on the business side of things, not on design. <laughs> um, so being familiar with some of the things that had to take forth to be able to make this happen. Um, I really started talking to my community and reaching out wondering, am I the only woman that has this problem? And come to find out, we've talked to hundreds of women and not the only one with the problem. Um, and after they asked, me personally, like, could you fix this problem for us? I basically uh, joined forces with two amazing women and we uh, started the Hilly Outdoors. So we have hunting apparel and outdoor apparel for women. We have designed the ultimate pant called the Sophia Adventure Pant and we're building on top of that with other items as well. Awesome. So this all started during COVID. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah, um, everyone's like, were you bored? I've had that question a lot. Like, were you bored? I'm like, no, definitely not bored. Had an, had an eight-year-old. He keeps me very busy. Um, was just frustrated, really. It was trying to figure out why in the hell was I still wearing men's pants or my dad's hand-me-downs or friends hand-me-downs. And what I mean by friends is I hunt with the majority of men. I rarely hunt with women. So it was figuring out what I didn't think anything was wrong with me per se, which a lot of us go to that direction. We think something's wrong with me. I have to fit the clothes. And I totally did a flip and said, why aren't the clothes fitting me? There's nothing wrong with me. So that's, that's really awesome. where it started. Yeah, I was trying to like figure out we're all different shapes and sizes, heights. Like how, how can we accommodate the best? Plus giving us that performance of fit and function that we deserve that we don't get really in the industry. Yeah, so how, how do you guys work that out? So what, what comes first? Is it kind of, and I'm sure it's probably a combination of some things, but is it kind of fit and material first? Or like, what is it functionality first? What, what, what kind of, what's your process? Uh, well, um, not giving too much away. It starts with the community. So it starts with speaking to her and finding out her wants and needs, pain points, all, all those wonderful things that you need to know about your consumer really diving into who she is. So we we know our market very well. We know who our customer is, our persona, so to speak. Uh, we, we know where she shops, how she shops, what she wants. And then taking all that data, all that information and really turning it into a product, which I know that's pretty crazy. Um, not a lot of companies operate that way in apparel, especially in the outdoor industry. 
so this is kind of a tactic that we learned from 1IE. They're an incubator out here in the Inland Empire area where I'm from. I brought this idea to their CEO, who is an avid outdoorsman and a dad of a daughter and said, I get it. Like, you don't have to explain it to me. Let's pop in the incubator and let's see what we could do. And that actually has helped accelerate us greatly. We use their process of basically validating product need, product fit, uh, market fit, uh, and also like who the customer is to keep the business valid, basically. Very cool. Awesome. I feel like this would be super hard to do. Like, is, is this like a hard process? Like, I feel like it's very complicated. <laughs> and it gets more complicated as we grow. Um, because now we're up to, I think, like talking to 3,000 women. So think about that process. There's only three of us. So um, that's a lot of time that we spend on the phone, on Zoom calls, really at events. We do a lot of local events. Uh, we do expos as well. When we're at our consumer expos. We're also pulling information from them. They don't know we are. I think that's our art is no one knows how we're doing it really or how we're talking to them. Just when we speak to them, we know exactly what we're asking in a roundabout way, basically employing that data and getting that data to make products. That's so the no, secret sauce, right? Secret sauce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no trade secrets were, were revealed during the <laughs> Um yeah, really, it's just, it's knowing her so well. Um, that's that's really what it, like, what it comes down to. Well, I, I love that, too, because, you know, we, we have a lot of different companies out on our show, and you know the good ones and the bad ones, and you kind of get to know them over time. And I'll tell you that the one consistent thing around every good long-term company that we've ever talked to has been they listen to their consumers first. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's not, it's not pushing a product. I made it, you should wear it. It's what do you need? What do you want? And that's the direction that we're going to go in, right? Yeah, we really don't start even thinking about making something until we've heard it at least 20 times. Then it kind of goes on the product roadmap. And then from that 20 times, we kind of extract that information of what we need to build it. Um, and then it starts to actually physically become like a sketch and then a tech pack and then a prototype and then a sample and then a wear test sample and then actual product that will be on our website for you to buy. So it's, it's definitely a long process. And it's also getting feedback in between all those little processes. So it takes us a long time to build something, um, but we're building something with quality and a lot of love. So it just takes us a little longer than most companies. We're also bootstrapped. And for people that don't know what that means is we're broke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so any money that we it. get, um, it goes right back into the company. And so none of us are taking a salary. All of us have normal day jobs as well as this. Um, true entrepreneurship uh, at its best. So it, it really is, it's not a passion project. It really is a company. It's just we're, really focused on making sure that everything we build is just absolutely perfect and exactly what she's asking for yeah well and that is the passion right the passion, is the passion. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure so Raylene can you walk us through your lineup like what do you have out there right now and is there any any insight on what's coming even yeah, so right now we have the Sophia Venture Pant that's offered in a True Timber Strata camo. 
Uh, and then we also have it in um, a juniper green, which is like, for those of you that don't know jun what juniper green is, it's like the OD green, so that military green. Um, those were asked for by the consumer. We didn't pick the camo out of accident or we pulled women and asked them what camo they would prefer to wear um, without knowing brands or whatever. They, they pick that camo and they pick that color green as well. So we, that's the Sophia Adventure Pant that's on the website right now available for pre-sale. Uh, the product itself drops in July and anyone that has pre-sold a pant, which we've had quite a few pre-sales, uh, we'll start shipping uh, mid-August out to them and they'll have them just in time for hunting season. We also have base layers, so tops and bottom base layers uh, that are like nothing else on the market. So uh, they're made out of recycled nylon and they have a hemp oil extract in them as well. So that actually helps suck away odor. And then they actually fluctuate with your body temperature. So if you are hot, they cool you down. If you are freezing, they warm you up. So it's a lot different than your merino wool that's out there. And when you pair it with our pants and we have a midweight pant is what the Sophia pant is, you're, you're pretty toasty. So we, we wear tested this in a few different areas of the United States. Uh, in colder weathers and warmer weathers. Uh, so that's what's on the website right now besides lifestyle of like a hat and beanie. Um, our beanie is reversible and it also has like a little ponytail catch in the back that you can pull your ponytail through. Uh, and what we have on the map right now currently is um, a puffy jacket, a half zip, um, along with two tech tees. So we have um, two tech tees long and short with some SPS capabilities and some other wicking capabilities with um, fabric that hasn't been introduced into the hunting space yet. Awesome. You I can see how this is a little tricky. Um, while you're talking, I was trying to pull up our statistics on some of our stuff for outdoors. And I, I, I was trying to find, I was on Instagram, it didn't work out. But I guess apparently you can't, uh, can't get it from your computer without your phone the analytics i was trying to get to the analytics so i'm gonna go, i'm going right now on youtube studio but i wanted to see something because i feel like the niche is pretty small here so i can see how this would be a little bit tricky and a little bit harder um but again this is just you know men or women who watch our stuff specifically but when i go to audience i can see it's usually like uh where is it oh, here it is yeah here it is so like our youtube page in the last 28 days 92.1% were male, just to give you an idea, right? Mm -hmm. So it says 7.9% were female, and this is specifically mm -hmm. on YouTube. So this is just for our channel. But my point is, is that, so I see how this is a little tricky for you guys, because it's not like you're making something, you're going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of sales, like mm -hmm. if it were something like a, you know, a different brand, you know, shirt or whatever, yeah. right? That's appealing to men. So this does become a little harder for you because the mm -hmm. market's a little bit smaller um, right. to get out of being bootstrapped. <laughs> we have a plan. Don't worry. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, we're, we are definitely uh, on that plan too. So we're doing really well. We're also going to be offering next year um, young ladies as well for those dads that are looking for clothes for their daughters. And That's moms really, well. yeah. It's really, okay. really hard. Yeah. So um, youth that will be dipping our toe into that. And we have a couple other things up our sleeve that we're not kind of, we can't talk about right now. So. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> what about the idea of youth in general, like boy or girl youth? The only reason I say that is I really feel like nobody does youth very well in the, in the clothing yeah. market. No, yeah, nobody. If, if you go into like our, let's just say clothing market in general. Yeah. Uh, and it's, if you look at it, just the clothes and look at retail and fashion alone, like it's saturated with girls. Like I have a son and it's hard for me to find like, 
great stuff for him, which is really odd and awkward when you flip it to like the outdoor section. If you walk into like a Bass Pro and you look at the youth section there, it's youth, but really mainly it's made for boys. Yeah. So you're still yeah. missing that, that little girl niche and some of the things that she needs and wants, um, along with what her parents are looking for for her too, for functionality that she's going to need in the blind or if she's spotting stocking or keep her warm. In general, women get colder faster than men, which is why we're always sticking our feet on you guys and you complain about it. So we need more warmth technically than you do. And like diving into really different articles of clothing and looking at certain things. Um, even from a girl's perspective, we don't have the technology that you do to keep us warm. Sometimes it's taken out and we're still paying what you're paying. So we're trying to, you know, throw that back in of making sure that we have what we need. That's yeah, awesome. I, I love what you said, what you were saying earlier about the base layer part of it too, mm -hmm. um, because that's always a struggle. I mean, we're in Michigan, right? So our, yeah. I, I, I've hunted opening day for white-tailed deer when it's 80 degrees and I've hunted opening day for white-tailed deer when it's 30 degrees, right? So a lot of fluctuations throughout, and, and throughout the season, obviously, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, but they have something like that base layer that you were talking about that can really, you don't have to worry about what you're packing. Cause I end up finding myself like not knowing like if the weather's going to go like 30, 30 yeah. in the morning and 60 in the afternoon, like I'm packing 10 different bags. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a majority of our women are Midwest, but we're also starting to get a lot of that Western hunter too. So that helps take the, the guests for her out as well. Like if she's someone like me that I have primarily California, but during the colder months, they're not cold here, but they're cold in Missouri where I go into Kansas or Missouri to go hunt with girlfriends there and I'm freezing and I need something to help me with like the guesswork of not packing a thousand things for a plane flight. Absolutely. Along with a bow or a gun case. And <laughs> <laughs> yep. I already get enough looks at the airport when I'm rolling up <laughs> with something that looks. No, I think that's a huge <laughs> benefit. I mean, when you can have one thing that kind of, that, yeah. that helps you minimize, because I'm always that guy too, like I always forget something and it's usually the most important thing, right? And me yeah. being warm is kind of an important thing. Um, I don't yeah. like hunting when I'm cold. It's just, no just a fact, you know? Um, so yeah, so to have that, I think is absolutely awesome. What I also saw too, and what I absolutely love is mm -hmm. on your website, I didn't see any pink camo. No, absolutely not. We don't want that. Our girl does not want that. Our woman does not want that. Uh, they were very specific with us about color. No color. Some do like it. Um, I will say that's not our customer. Right. Uh, the majority is like, if I see another pink, blue, purple thing that's identifying me. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that we hunt by ourselves a lot and we don't want to be identified in the woods. I, if you see me and you're glassing, that's totally fine, but you don't need to know that I'm a woman out there sitting by myself. Um, so it's kind of also a little bit sense of self-protection in a way as well. They don't want to be identified um, out there to keep themselves safe, but they also don't feel the need to be identified at all with, we just want something that fits us that's cut for a woman. We don't need something that's pink or purple or blue to tell us that that's what we are. We already know that. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Um, Cause I do think there's kind of that stereotype, you know, when you have the, there's a lot of bow companies out there that I, that I feel like when they make a woman's bow, it comes in a pink camo, you know, type of deal. And, you know, I think, Purple, I think we've blue. seen the industry kind of move away from that a lot, which is good. 
um, because it's not really a, a gender specific thing, you know, when it comes to bows, yeah. when you want a bow, you want one that's the best functioning, you know, most right. take the lightest bow, you know, that you can find type of deal. And I feel like you're doing that same thing, but with, mm -hmm. the, with the clothes side, right. With the apparel side, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I will have to say, I, I completely understand what you mean with a bow. Um, so I've been doing this since I was a kid. So I don't think I ever had, I had a youth bow at some point in time, but nothing was ever pink or purple or any sort of color my dad was always like what's going to work best is what we're going to get you so I don't think I ever had anything even my strings I'm one of those traditional like it's better be it better be yeah. black <laughs> like I don't want to see any color. I don't I mean I feel like if a parent bought their little girl a bow mm -hmm. I, I mean personally just knowing like hunters I feel like they would always get blacker camo in the sense that they want them to have the ability to use it in the field. Like I see, yeah. I feel like a guy would want that. And I don't know if a guy's or a woman, this is what would be the question. Like who's the one who really pushed these idea of these pinks and all this, was it actually girls or was it actually, you know, boys or men or women or, you know, I'd be curious to know who was the first people to ask for those colors or if it was just part of a marketing scheme, just to make something look a little bit flashier or something. I don't know. It'd be it's uh, interesting. Having a, a fashion education background, I can tell you <laughs> that uh, we are the country that kind of created the color and the association of color with gender. Uh, other countries don't do that. So if you go like into the EU somewhere, what color is just color? It's not, it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean any, anything really. It's just, if you like to wear it, you wear it. It's interesting because I, I actually... I actually really enjoy like some of like you can see I got like this color thing back here. This yeah. actually changes colors. I actually after my kids got me into like gaming a little bit, and so like I've been thoroughly thoroughly impressed with things like gaming mice that change colors. And, and to be colors. honest, the, I like the hot pink the best. Like I like colors like this the best that are coming up. So as a man, I want the hot pink bow. That's the thing. I don't. I, <laughs> I actually told some of the guys like I want a red bow. Like you give me like a a sweet looking bright red bow i don't care if a deer's not gonna see it up in the tree get out of here yeah no, they're not gonna see it i shoot with guys that have like the bright pink like strings and i'm all really but yeah it's cool it's fine that's hey, you can't I'm, a traditional, I'm a traditional girl i'm like i don't want to see any color in any way but uh, that's just, that's me that's how i roll and we, i haven't talked taste, about this before day but i i want my bow to match my converse shoes Yes. yes that's what we do like i i i, I buy a pair because you can custom make converse right you can go right online yes. make whatever I, you want crazy design i want my bow to look like my shoes speaking of that i'll be right back i have something to show you tim i'll be right oh no back. you didn't do it did you uh oh, <laughs> no, I'm curious. Uh -oh. I'm like, i want to see this too now oh I my god it's so funny it's funny oh. that we're talking about like color classification i was at the gym yesterday and this guy's like hey you're the chick with the all white Jeep, right? And I'm all, yes, I am the chick with the all white Jeep. Cool. I'm the guy with the bright green Jeep. I'm like, so is that how we're associating ourselves now? It's like right. the color of our vehicles at the gym. I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm the yeah. chick with the all white Jeep Wrangler. That's me. <laughs> I love, well, that's, that was me too. I owned a, I owned a white Jeep Wrangler for uh, I don't know, five or six years. And uh, that's how everybody kind of associated with me too. But I, I'm a, I'm a white car guy by nature. I'm looking out my, looking outside right now. And that, that's what I drive. I just realized I drive, I haven't driven anything uh, but a white car in like probably 10 years. So yeah, that's this just, is uh, oh my gosh, I had, I had a black um, car for a while and I just got this Jeep. So I normally drive a white vehicle. I did not want a white vehicle but I should state, I was looking for a red Jeep, but this one came in with all the bells and whistles. And I was like, all right, 
That's that. We'll do it. <laughs> Red Jeeps go faster. That's for sure. Hey. <laughs> I, love, I, miss, I miss it. You know, my, mine was, mine was, and I, I never would have got rid of it except for the fact my kids were getting a little bit older, a little bit too cramped in the back seat. So I had to, I had to change it up and go with the Grand Cherokee instead. So that's my, that's my off-road vehicle now. So that's, uh, but it does a great job. No, no doubt about it. I, I love it. We go off-roading in it all the time, but. Uh, I'm like I'm a the Jeep. terrible mom that's like, you can suffer. <laughs> oh, no, that was me for the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> We do a lot of camping, so we'll drive like hours and hours yeah. away type of deal. And and it was like I'm suffering at that point. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. I grew up in a in an 88 Jeep Cherokee, like standard stick shift, crank windows. It was my car in high school when I got to high school and could drive. And it was my um car at the Jeep, or but it was my my Jeep was the car at the beach for a few years when I lived down there. I went to school too. My dad was like, you can use this. I'm like, it has no power steering and I have to park at the parallel park, like majority of the time down here. And he's like, you'll have really good arms. Your arms look awesome. There you go. Like, <laughs> I love it. Uh oh, he's back. He's back. Oh no, let's see. What do you got? Oh, sorry, wrong thing. Dun 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 dun. Stop here. There they are. Okay. Nice. Did you make those? Yes. Those are vans. Are they the Are they all terrain? Are they the all terrain vans? I don't know. I think so. They're pretty. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Those are. Yeah, yeah. Those are all terrain. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I might wear these for hunting. I think you, I think you might. Yeah. I was just gonna say I have a pair of all terrains and I've taken them out in the field. Just I haven't. Oh, I was. It took me a long time. I apologize because they look like this. I wanted to make the strings on there. I had to hurry up throw them. Okay. I had never worn them yet. Wait, I have so to like, make it presentable. I have to make, yeah, I have to make it look a little nicer. I hadn't worn them yet because it's been you know summer now. I bought them right in winter, but they didn't come. It took like six weeks to get here, so it was a long time. But uh, pretty cool, huh? I was pumped. They're amazing. No, I like those. Those are red. These are so, so really cool. okay. so you started slide. during COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. Guys, and even now, I mean, are you guys you guys struggle with like the whole supply chain issues at first, or how is that? So, um, that's actually kind of like really what pushed me into big game because I was mainly an upland, an upland hunter, a small game hunter. Um, and then when COVID kind of hit and I witnessed like a brawl in the middle of the grocery store over some food. I was like, you know, I have these skills to just go kill things and eat them. So maybe I should go do that. And it was like music to my dad's ears when I was like, so I'm going to do this thing this year called deer hunting. And he was like, yes, like awesome. Like, all so in. He was all in for everything. And he's like, you already know how to do this. I already taught you. You just got to go do it. And I'm like, that's great. Let's go do it. Um, and really, honestly, that's <clears throat> how other than like getting in my parents' freezer, uh, how I've been eating, my son and I have been eating for the last, you know, two plus years, uh, anything that's larger than a bird, um, uh, because there's just no reason to have to go to the grocery store. I got a hog, I went hog hunting last month and pulled a nice hog and awesome. I'm pretty set for a while. My whole freezer's full of hog and deer. So I think I'm good. Okay. So, so you're in Texas, right? I'm not in Texas. I am in Southern California. Our company is based okay. out of Texas. And I commute, I commute to Texas. Yes. Is yeah. that where you hunt? <clears throat> where, where do you, what state do you hunt at usually? So um, for deer hunting, I do uh, Southern California. Okay. Um, yeah. 
I didn't know there was hog hunting in Southern California. That's kind of cool. Yeah, well, Northern. So yeah. for Central Northern, yeah, okay. we, have a, we have a big problem for sure. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. I mean, you hear about it all the time, you know, down South Texas and all that stuff, but uh, I didn't yeah. realize California was the same way. Cause I was going to ask about the, like what, cause I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, like access deer are open year round in like Texas and that area too. Yeah. Um, that, which would that be awesome. Yeah. And Texas Hawaii too. too. I just had a whole conversation with someone that got back from Hawaii for access deer. Um, they're obviously a nuisance there. They were given to the island as a present and now they've taken over. Uh, so all you all you need is your is your hunting license. You don't need to do anything else there but that and just know where everything's at. So Which she, island has the access deer? Uh, so Kauai is one of them, and there is another one. I'm not a thousand percent sure which island that is. Yeah. And she's gonna kind of like map everything out for me because I think this might be the next thing I go do. Because I, I was it, I was in Kona. <laughs> I, I was in Kona, but I don't I don't remember them. I asked the guy there, and he said there they does hunt. They weren't access deer, I know that, but they're hunting something. It was some sort of small. They have goats sheep. there, like crazy. Goat. It was a goat. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And he, I had seen them on the mountain when I went down to visit the water that I had to walk back up three miles. And I didn't know I was going to do that and thought I was going to die. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I was walking up, I saw that thing. And it was so fast and quick. I'm thinking, yeah. wow, how did this guy bow hunt this? And this guy, uh, he was all about it, man. Only bow hunting. It was crazy. I was like, how do you bow hunt that thing? I mean, it's like moving quick, man. You know, you can't even get close to it. It was weird. Yeah, Hawaii's really interesting. You don't need a fishing license for certain things. Oh. And yeah, I, so I'm starting to explore that more. I've been, I've been once just saw it like a family. We did a big family vacation where like my whole family went. That was an experience. Uh, <laughs> it was like the plant that's been a Maui. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> but I've now I've had a few, a few girlfriends of mine go out and go hunting and fishing and have come back and I'm like, okay, mapping this out. This is definitely something I want to do. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful there. I'm not too much of a beachy person. So to well, just it's, it's a pretty like quick tropic. flight over there for you, isn't it? It's I mean, five hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, for us, I think it's somewhere around like 10. Four, four to four to her, then five. Yeah. Yeah. Four to California, I think, right? Four and a half. Yeah. It's and still then, relatively, actually, we were looking at the other day. Yeah. Um, it's relatively cheap to go there, too. I mean, flight wise. Right now. I mean, I was yeah. Like really you surprised guys, at the flight cost going out to Hawaii. It was like $600. You, you guys uh, will trip, You know, per person, my, which is cheap. My niece, uh, she's in college. She got a scholar. Uh, I'm sorry. She got an internship in Hawaii over the, for the full summer. Uh, <laughs> and she's there. She just had to pay for a ticket to go. And then she actually gets paid and works there for the whole summer. Can you imagine staying in Hawaii awesome. for three months? That's, that's, that's pretty. That's uh, pretty awesome. I keep seeing her posting videos on the beach. And so I'm like, oh my God, I want to go so bad. Yeah, I have like, a... Uh, I have a cousin that is out there. She's stationed out there right now. So, um, yeah, not jealous. It's funny to me because, like, a lot of the companies in the industry will do, they'll spend some money and do like media hunts and, and uh, sales hunts and all these things. I'm thinking, mm -hmm. I get it's a little more money, but maybe if you said to everybody, like, hey, we're going to go to Hawaii this year and you just got to pay for your ticket to get there and we'll pay for everything else, like, why not? Why not go somewhere exotic like Hawaii or something that's right, different? Let me right? put that on the Detelli wish list. Right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies, we should do this. <laughs> We gonna start. Oh, we're gonna start calling out our sponsors, Tim, to, to no, send us. Oh my god! Yeah, we're gonna have to start an industry trend, trend here. For, we should start. For, the podcast should take place from Hawaii. We'll just start. Going all about Hawaii. conservation. They, they have a conservation. problem. 
<laughs> Jim, I was just thinking, if we're in Hawaii together, we could go to Mount, is it Kilauea? Is that the name yeah. of it? Yeah. We no, could go to Mount Kilauea and lay on our backs, look at the stars, and do our Upwards Positive podcast. That'd be, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and we'd talk like this, and it'd be so fun, because it would, it would be so relaxing. It it'd be a great time. We would gaze up at the stars at night, the ocean the waves, hitting the beach. It would be amazing. So magical. <laughs> so magical. I feel like Moana. I feel like Moana. You're welcome. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a great idea, though. You know, I think I can. I think I can sell the wife on that, but only if she comes with. Yeah, that's whatever yeah, well. you go there, right? <laughs> She's like, cool, cool. Uh, but I'm going. You know exactly. Yeah. Kids exactly. free, and you're going kids free, so you got to figure that out too. Like, yeah. No, you got. I pulled that string one too many times going over to Scotland, and I, I went over a couple mm-hmm. times, just me. And uh, you know, she last time she's like, "This is the last time." We're not, well, you're never doing this again you're, unless you take me. And I'm like, all right. So we had it Couldn't all planned lie. out. We were ready to go. Everything was booked. And then COVID hit. Uh, that <laughs> happened uh, That happened with me with Sicily. I had everything booked, ready to go. It oh. came to a crashing halt. <laughs> I Man. love it. Yeah. So, you know, you I have, love guys. So you're, you're doing the deer hunting. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. anything else that you're looking towards hunting? Like getting um, yeah, an elk or anything so, like that? Well, I put in for um, an elk, a pronghorn, and a sheep this year and did not pull anything fun or exciting. Oh. Um, I got my bear tag. I, I'll be taking um, my dad's place on a on a bear hunt this year. So I'm really excited about that. What state is that in? It'll be here in California. Awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be That's using cool. uh, I'll be using one of his climbers never have used a climber before so stay tuned for that on social i'm sure that'll be a really fun uh, take your time i'll never forget this tree i'll never forget the tree that almost killed me i went Uh, up on a climber i'm not exaggerating so first off make sure you pick a tree scout don't tell her this story these are important no i I don't know what the hell i'm doing with this thing these are That's very great. dangerous things. Awesome. So, but I'll make sure my life insurance policy is paid up. Got it. Good. Go. <laughs> I don't know which climber you're going to use, but number one, make sure it's got aggressive teeth on the backside. Okay. That's number one. Number two, and if God. it doesn't, just go buy. Don't even waste your time with one that's got go. like flat edged. Because you'll. And yeah, so the other thing is, pick a tree that's got a lot of like soft, thick bark that it can grab. Because one time I went up like three feet and slid down a foot every time. It was so scary. Like every time I go up, it would just go. Like a a nice pine tree or something with some thick bark. Yeah. And then don't ever step towards the center because you're a goner. That's where it drops. I'm so looking forward to this now. Great. Okay. No, you should consider a harness (laughs) Hold on. What do you mean don't step towards the center? If you step towards the center, that it gives way. On the platform? Yes. So they make a platform to stand on it. But there's a danger zone yes. with the platform that they make the you tree. To stand on. The closer you get cool. to the tree, you're gonna t- you're gonna change the angle and it'll it'll drop. So Raylene, it was nice meeting you. Yeah, um, thank, you know, thank if you, you want to pass our name along so to some of your business partners, we might we can have them on, you know, later down the road. That'd be great. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm like tapping out now. I'm like, you know forget what? the climber, do a tree set. <laughs> yeah, you'll be exactly. I'm like, you know what? Maybe not the climber. Like, hey, you know, it's a bear, but I think a ground bind still sounds safer. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Oh, I, I, well, that's fun. I've decided oh. climbers are in my past. It was in my youth. It's not going to happen no more. Just because happen. I could tell you, 
I had the, the bottom fall out one time and I was just had the top left, but luckily I wasn't alone. There's someone not too far from me. You're just hanging so out. they Ron climbed up and put it under back on. I mean, there's some crap, man. You gotta you're making a lot me of stuff feel like there. the odds are definitely not in my favor. And They're stacked against you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They are. Welcome to the danger small, zone. Small tiny you know. woman of five foot four. Nope, not happening. You're not gonna <laughs> sorry. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely try tree saddle if you can. I, those are pretty sweet right. and they're not that hard. Well, I don't know, Dave. You want to tell her any other of your, of your scary bear stories? Nope, oh, I'm done. I'm not, I, I, know know you're good. I don't want to freak her out. Let's see what she does this season. Let's see what happens. I got a lot of bear I stories. It. I love I'm it. Still well, here, you'll be so armed I'm with the gun at least. So that'll oh, be good. Yeah, I'll definitely have a side. Were, side uh, yeah, they were both stories because hunting in Canada, you can, I mean, getting a, you can get a firearm across, but it was a, it was a bow thing for that weekend. And uh, yeah, I think Dave, I think you're still a little bit traumatized by something. It was very scary. Like that, so. There's so many bears. I, I never seen anything like that before. And I had shot my bear and literally five or six more bears came into the set. Oh. Like it was the scariest. And then they came over the tree and they, they start looking at me and putting the claws on scratching the tree and, and yeah, japping their, they're clinking their teeth. And I mean, it was just so crazy. I, I and, and, and the funny part is the I had put like five GoPros out in the field to film this whole hunt because it was a, a really, you know, <laughs> high, high filming type bear. I've never been on one. I was super excited. I had all these GoPros remote. Well, this bear, not the bear I shot, like this bear that came in after, it went up to one of the GoPro. It didn't even see the GoPro at first, but after a while, all of a sudden it looked at the GoPro and stopped. And I seen it. It was like, it was like sitting on its butt just itching its legs like this i'm like oh what's this God. thing doing this thing like, i was like laughing in my head right and all of a sudden it stops and it looks and it looks at that gopro and it just walks over to it starts sniffing it. i got all this on video you know and then it licks it and it like pause it and then it drops to the ground and no joke follows my scent trail from putting that gopro out back to my tree and starts climbing up my tree like looking at me and snapping its teeth it was so creepy and I couldn't do anything legally because I had already shot a bear. So I wasn't right. literally, I didn't have a tag. So legally I couldn't do anything. If I, if I, would I have shot it to save my life? Yes. But it would have been technically legal. And, um, I had just, a bow. Scary, I, it was pretty scary. I'm not gonna lie, but I don't know if I would go back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally good. I'm, I'm not. I will say though, the bear meat is probably mm -hmm. the best tasting wild game was great. that I've ever had. I, I like bear meat probably at the top of the list. So I've had it before. We have a family friend that that's his passion is, is bear. he's the one taking me. So this will be really fun. Um, <laughs> I say that with love. They call, they call him the bear magnet and it's for a reason. It's not, <laughs> it's not just because they literally just show up when he's around. And I've, that's good. I've been on deer hunts with him where all of a sudden one just walks in front of you and you're like, are you freaking kidding me right now? That's like, cool. He's yeah, got I'd be interested guns. to hear from you how it goes because uh, no, what I've I'll seen so far, you if, you, if you're still back, you know, if oh, you're I'm around, <laughs> this might be the end. If I survive my tree stand and <laughs> the step bears, I'm like, shit, maybe I don't go. I don't know. The, the bears don't, they're, in Canada, they came in like, like no problem. Like, I mean, I, like I said, five or six bears came through that set so fast. And then last year I had pulled the Michigan tag, which is hard to get. And I finally got one. So my father and I went back up to upper peninsula, Michigan to hunt bear. And they're so sketchy that all we ever even saw of a bear was like a flash of black. That's it. 
That's how different they were between there and Canada and how they reacted to the baits and all that stuff. It was just night and day. And, you know, if I went bear hunting again, I would probably go back to Canada because it was just so easy compared to here. It was just like a disaster. We sat there for days without seeing nothing. And then (laughs) the people who did see stuff would see things you can't shoot, like a a, a cub and a mom. You can't shoot the mom if she has a cub, right? So they would always see stuff they couldn't shoot or they could, you know, it was just so hard, so much harder. Uh. I'll let you all know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I'm also working on uh, a part of CBH, which is California Bow Hunters Association. Um, and I'm working on my uh, small game uh, award through them. And uh, if that gets achieved, which knock on wood, it's going to take me a while. There's lots of species, but I will be the first woman in the books with, with that. So it'll wow, be awesome. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, that's really you got sweet. a lot going on, which is awesome. So we can't wait to see yeah. how uh, how things progress here. It sounds like you guys are headed in a, a very good direction. And uh, you know, I love I love this part of the industry. You know, we we've always built ourselves on just just community. It's never been about the guys or the girls or anything like that. We we just want to bring the message out, you know, to mm-hmm. the hunting community around everything hunting related, products and stories and all that kind of stuff, really. And so really appreciate you joining us and kind of sharing what you have going on. Um, where can people find you? Are you just, are you just direct to consumer right now or how is that? And if you are, what's your website so people can find you? Yeah. So we are direct to consumer right now. Um, you can go to the tally outdoors at D I T A L E outdoors.com. And you can follow us on social at the tally outdoors. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Raylene, for joining thank us so tonight. Much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me. We'll we'll hopefully see you next time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't, you know, there you go. Oh, man. (laughs) If if you, if you, if you, if we don't, this podcast is going to, is going to kill our Everyone's like, don't go on that podcast. (laughs) So bye. You'll end up done. That's what will happen. Yes. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said. Done.